0: Hello, and welcome to the last Instec podcast of 2019. Well, no rest for us. Got to keep the show on the road. We're releasing this episode in that quiet zone between Christmas and New Year. So another fairly quick one. Now, the emergence of MGAs has been much discussed in the last couple of years. We've seen some very interesting and quite significant exits. So it was great to have the chance to interview Jacqueline McNamee, who founded Sequence, an MGA providing management liability cover uh, a couple of years ago. We were on stage at the Saitora Conference in November, which is a very well-attended event held in the delightful St Luke's Church in Shoreditch, which is normally home to the London Symphony Orchestra. Now, if you'd like to know a bit more about MGAs and what they actually are, I read a short article explaining how they work and where they fit between brokers and traditional insurers, and it seems to have gone down quite well. You can find it on the INSTEC London website and on my LinkedIn profile, and you'll find a link in the episode notes. Last time I was in this room, there were four people on stage playing violins. You haven't brought a violin with you
1: Well, today. you never know. Depends, <laughs> how the, know. Well, depends how our chat goes.
0: Well, there we go. Uh, we've also got what looks like uh, over 150 people here to hear about what you're up to. Um, So you left the world of sort of relatively safe employment working for a big insurance company a couple of years ago. You set up Sequence, and just to quote from your website, your goal was to bring radical, powerful, transformative, and highly efficient ways of trading and servicing mid-market commercial insurance, and today you're focusing initially on management liability.
1: Um, First of all, thank you, Matthew, for your introduction. And also, I would like to thank the Sitora team for inviting us to to participate today.
0: What was it that drove you to leave the relatively safe world of insurance and set up your own business?
1: I did operate in in the major corporate space for over 20 years. And as such, um, I've gone through, went through a catalogue of... Challenges and frustrations. And I think a lot of how the industry was continued to operate was really targeting short term fixes, as opposed to, to me, it was always kind of a little bit kicking the can down the street, as opposed to you really have to get to the root causes in relation to um, taking on some of the challenges to kind of modernize commercial insurance. I also think, too, um, some of the challenges that were tend to, to, as barriers, tend to be put out there is that the commercial sector is possibly too complex to automate in the same degree as say the personal lines industry has been disrupted or challenged, um, particularly from an expense and an automation standpoint. I think a lot of the you know the again that the technology tools were coming more into the consumer space as opposed to being brought into to the commercial world. Um, and I didn't really necessarily buy into to a lot of those arguments. I think um, if you take a step back, and if I think one of the key benefits we had at Sequence in particular we were setting up, is that when you do have the opportunity of a blank sheet and you're not encumbered by legacy, it does present um, an exciting opportunity. So I think with that, coming from inside um, the industry, but also realizing that it was going to take operating with outsiders from, from outside the industry that it presented a really good opportunity for us in so far as we did really understand the gaps. Um, and some of the you know some, some of the opportunities that could be presented, particularly around um, data, as you can see, and I think is obviously the core discussion point for today as well. Um, so we set about it. Was, um, I thought it was a very exciting opportunity, but equally, um, as as much as it was exciting, it was equally as daunting. Um, coming from big corporate worlds, as, as some of my friends said to me, "What do you know about setting up a company?" Um, it was a true statement at the time. But like any any problem that you want to, you have got to admit it. Um, and then you just recognise, you know, you go and we go on a journey, just building a fantastic team around me, um, with a real attitude of let's problem solve all these challenges that are presented. There's a great array of fantastic new tools and technology, um, and we set on our merry way a couple of years ago, almost two years ago now, to um, to set out um, and start to to build a new type of contemporary insurance company. Well,
0: congratulations! You've you survived those first tricky <laughs> two years. I'm sure you now you're now becoming an expert in, in setting up a, a company, and also. Yeah, as everyone knows, a lot of the most successful businesses are built by people who just have this real frustration. They can't get it done in their day job. And they say, you know what? You know, I'm going to go and solve it myself. And here we are, uh, you know, large audience. You have signed up with Saitora and we're going to talk about some of the partners we've got as well. So that's all fantastic news. Um, now, before we kind of get into a bit more about sequence. Could you just say a few words about what management liability actually is for those who may not understand that space?
1: Sure. Um, It's the the first suite of products that that we launched in in the beginning of March this year. And it's a modular set of five products. Um, We talk about management liability. We're really talking about insurance products that are orientated towards protecting the management. Um, of, of businesses, and um, particularly as our t- our segment is more the kind of private um, small public company sector, it's just a range of products that really protect the management, the decisions that they make, and the potential consequences those decisions have on the organisation of the entity itself. So it's um, modular covers like directors and officers, um, insurance, liability insurance, um, employment practices protecting against um, the risks of managing your employees in obviously a more, more and more regulated environment, managing pensions on behalf of your employees, crime, Um, crime from inside or outside the organization and also cyber. So it was the first five suites, the five modular, we set about instead of doing traditional way, we're going to break all our coverages down into units of risk that we describe as modular offerings of coverage because, again, from making the product more simple, it also facilitates the use of technology um, in supporting the actual product itself as opposed to just the data. Um, We also, it's my background from an underwriting perspective, so um, something you're very kind of a lot of technical experience in. It helped in, we said we'll crack, we'll break ground, we'll use the management liability suite as our first offering. But we always built it with the design of making it um, the architecture, the foundation, the flexibility we're building, that that and the data structure would carry through into the next suite of modular products we wanted to bring, um, which is through the property and casualty. So we are um, currently in the testing phase of the next 10 modulars, which bring the management liability into the property and casualty sector. So we'll have a, an overall offering of 15 modular coverages next year. Well, thank you for that. So that's helpful. And you've, you've also, you know, there are not many
0: companies focusing on this particular area. So you, you've sort of taken a difficult problem, but one where there's some opportunity out there. But just in terms of the focus on data analytics and how you position yourself, I mean, lots of companies, or probably every company now starting off, uses that concept of access to data analytics. But but what do you think it is about Sequence that actually distinguishes you from other organizations out there that claim to be able to to do things differently?
1: Um, Well, I think, again, having coming from um, the traditional um, insurance sector, and I think Richard said it well, which is very manual, a manual traditional industry. Um, a lot of, there is a wealth of information and data that does circulate and swirl through the commercial sector, both here and globally, but the challenge is it's in a very unstructured or non-consistent, non-standardized format, and I think it was one of the very first problems as, as a team that we set out to to try and tra- problem solve through, and I'd seen it myself in my own career, is at the very, very start, beginning of a journey, if you get the client's name wrong. The client information or the address incorrect, you're already starting to replicate those challenges and errors right the way through the life cycle and the correction and the errors and the reconciliation that comes with that. So for us, you know, the starting point was if you can manage to, to build your platform, you're offering that can facilitate very accurate and structured and standardized data, the opportunities were going to be um, really fantastic in relation to what you could do from a t- technology standpoint. I also think as well, from an underwriting standpoint, having done it in coming from the world of it's deemed more of a an art than a science, um, and having done a lot of underwriting in various state places, um, that there's a lot of repetition, and you're just doing it over and over and over again, and the learnings aren't really being passed on um, and shared for to the benefits of everybody involved, including the carriers, the clients, the brokers themselves, too. So it was all about for us if you know it's one thing to have a much more efficient process, but you have to enable it, particularly with the data and the technology. Um, and everything we do is predicated on unstructured data. And it does flow, like one piece of relevant information will flow now across designed to, to flow across those 15 modulars. Um, and also, the opportunity maybe maybe five years ago wouldn't have been as easy because there aren't companies like Saitora, for example, who are offering um, you know fantastic offerings in respect to, to data to enhance and enrich um, the platform of the offering that we're working on.
0: Good. And and I think it's no coincidence that in the video you've got a lot of references to speed of what you actually do. I think mm-hmm. you've got a story about it, some of your own experience about it you know, consumer or customer, lack of speed. But um, yeah, I mean, in particular, the ones that stood out for me was less than two minutes to, quote, to bind and then one tenth of a second to get the documentation driven out. But it sounds like that's that's something you use, a key metric for building the business and, and as you sort of talk to your own Customers about you know, how you provide some differentiation versus what um, they might
1: do. Yeah, and it was about you know it's not one of you know the the really different differentiated selling points that we're looking to build as a business is the service platform that new technology, new tools, new technology, new techniques can provide. Um, and I think probably setting setting the bar or giving an example of which we were chatting about this morning is um, we were purchasing our own you know insurance last year um so from the date that we put a call in and a request that we required you know we were ready to pay for it immediately it took us actually 244 days from that phone call to the date that we received our policy documentation and we're not exactly a big multinational complex business so you know that's frustrating when you see and there wasn't like when the policy was three months late that there's any kind of apology for for not sending your documentation. So you know when you, you see something like that, then there's a real opportunity in respect to improving service standards. But again, when you have um, you're offering your platform, your data, your structure. You have all these new tools, it does help to, to facilitate that. So I think one of the big differentiation it was again part of the big problem solving that we did at the beginning was how do you take all of this underwriting experience that we have collectively accumulated over long periods of time? And how do you embed them into into technology? So it was a lot of work in, in breaking down and structuring all of the underwriting experiences, scenarios, types of referrals, reasons, what you need, supplementary data, and actually codifying them into our platform so that the system is offering that, making those decisions. Either A, it can go through an immediate, automated platform, which does, you can get a quote bind issue in less than two minutes, if it meets certain risk characteristics and all the data is predicated to facilitate that, Um, and even in that process, we use around um, 600 algorithms and a lot of external data points that are populating, allowing that decision-making process and your documentation to be built in less than two minutes, and then in relation to targeting the referrals, which again is a lot of the fall downs happen in the industry, is that we've codified all the responses of what trigger referrals. So again, when the underwriter gets the referral, they get a notification immediately, whether it's on their iPhone or their iWatch, I um, and a lot of the answers are pre-programmed, which help facilitate and speed up decision-making. And then if the underwriter doesn't like what the machine has so far suggested, they can obviously modify and amend it. And then we have AI, machine learning, pattern recognition sitting behind that to make sure there's a constant evolution and pattern in relation to the decision making. So it does show that you can improve the 244 days to less than two minutes or 15 minutes. And in some more complex cases, we may require additional information. But once that information comes in, then we have to Start thinking about our SLAs again.
0: Well, I want to come back and talk a bit about your, your technology stack in a minute. But it's, it, what's interesting is that you know, a massive difference from what's that? was like, like into nine months. It is ridiculous to get your documentation back to you're talking now like in, in, in fractions of a second or in minutes. And it seems like it's a you know the, the people can get this. It's not like an incremental benefit is are going to, we're going to save you 25 percent on your time And you're going to get it in six months and that's ridiculous. It's yeah. actually really, you know, it has to happen now um, so, it, so you're an MGA and you, you use brokers to distribute mm-hmm. your your product um, but, you know, there's a theme out there which says brokers should be disintermediated We don't need them, but you've chosen to go through that channel very specifically Can you just talk mm-hmm. a bit why you've done that rather than try and go direct to your clients?
1: Um, there's this probably two answers to that. Um, the first is we did absolutely set up intentionally to be, do, to be a B2B model, a business-to-business, um, and we firmly stand by that. Um, and there's, there's two reasons to that too. One is probably the sector that we're offering um, a range of products to um, are in the small and the medium, and it goes into kind of that larger medium space. These are clients that do have more complex risks that do require specific advice. We're kind of in the business of providing the insurance system Solutions, not providing the 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 advice. So, it is very important to us that. that that advice and that the expertise that the broker does bring in relation to consulting with their clients um, is very, very important. And also, too, it's a distribution play for us, too. Because in a B2C model, you are going to start swapping dollars or pounds in relation to your acquisition costs are going to have to go into your branding and your your self-awareness and your advertising. So you are kind of to a point moving some of the money around, whereas for us, the brokers, we have the network, we have the contacts with them. They have the boots on the ground with the clients. So the broker to us is more like our client, but our our theme is if the broker is really satisfied with the customer service that we bring to them, then by default their clients are going to be happy. And I think the second point too, which kind of goes to to your point in relation to talking about disruption of the brokers, um, I think if you look at the overall commercial insurance chain, there's a lot of aspects to it that make it a very long chain and it is between whether you have... um, brokers that are consulting with clients, placing brokers, you have carriers, you have MGA's, you have reinsurers, you have reinsurance brokers, you have retro, you have retro, you have software houses, it's a big chain and customers are funding, I think that the point was already raised this morning about that 40-50p that's going into to feeding that chain. So there's a lot of opportunities within that chain to shorten it and to disrupt it. So we know the brokers are caught up in the inefficiencies, the administration, the bureaucratic processes that um, the commercial industry is, that by default, if you bring them a better experience, you're helping them on both the top line, the bottom line. You're helping them differentiate from a customer service standpoint too. And they tend, you know, if it's like anything, if you give them good, really good service, they're going to come back.
0: And within that broker community, uh, and feel free to name names, um, how do you find the spread of, those organisations that really understand it and embedded it in their own organisation. You talk about all different types of brokers in there. I mean, are you seeing some quite strong differentiators amongst the brokers, the big and small, of those who who are really driving and motivating their teams to use technology in companies such as you versus those that maybe talk about it but actually don't really deliver when it comes down to it?
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, I would say there is still quite quite a cross breath, um in relation to, I guess, attitudes and behaviours, maybe maybe or opportunities. Um, I think from a distribution model standpoint, again being a small lean company, you know predicated on being really efficient, we're not going to be all things to all people and we don't have the resources to, to run around and be a big sales organisation. So for us it was always about um, having come from the commercial industry, leveraging the network that we already had and really identifying partners that had a similar attitude in respect to really a desire to change the service spectrum probably more than anything, or even the simplicity of the product, and the product offering, um, and obviously the opportunities that the, that the data execution can bring. So there's a spread out there. We found very early on, when we were kind of nothing but a concept and paper, there were certain brokers that really embraced what we were doing. They said, we really like where you're going, this industry has to change, and we want to partner in your um, design work with you, because the train's gonna leave. It's pulling out of the station and we want to hop on, otherwise it's going to be different, difficult for us. Um, so there, there's a, that, that kind of um, area and that, that in, in, involved, uh, and actually one of them was, a, was a, one of the global brokers, not the largest, but global broker and then obviously large um, independent. Then you have the ones who said, we really like what we're doing, but we've got so many things going on. Please come back to us when it's built and ready and we can press the on button. Um, And then there's another bunch of brokers that are just entrenched with how it works today. There's a desire to protect the status quo. Um, They're quite involved in closed um, service software service providers as well and they don't have that opportunity to, to open up so mm. it is quite a mixed bag but that works for us because we're not going to be all things to everybody um, we look to diversify in to make sure you know, geog- ge- geographically wise that there's opportunities we operate with a couple of the large glo- globals, um, we have some of the network brokers so we're just dealing with the network, the wholesaler themselves and accessing their network and then we have some of the larger and medium sized independents and again it really embraces um, we, we signed on a broker a couple of weeks ago that even after the first meeting, they just said, we want to tobe and play straight away. We love what you're doing. We want to start moving. Um, we want to start using as an alternative in all of our business quotes going forward. So there is a real appetite with some, and there's another. There's a lot of protectivism that's still going to go on in this industry too in respect to don't rock the boat.
0: Okay. So you've got um, a lot of people here, some of whom I'm sure are buyers of management liability Insurance. So they want to go and find a broker offering sequence. Could you direct them to anybody in particular? Or? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. I think it would be unfair to direct them to one or two. There are some excellent brokers out there, and you can always go to our website, and we're happy to contact us. And we're happy to give you um, some very, very excellent suggestions based on your geographic or your your particular risk appetite profile. That'd so nicely nice. skirted that <laughs> one, didn't <laughs> I? <laughs> but,
0: but but on a, I guess just a sort of a, the, the most slightly more serious note, or as a brand sequence, do you expect that you become a brand that's valued by? the end buyer or are they still seeing their key relationship with the broker and then they rely on the broker to find the best product and you're less concerned about what the end buyer wants. Your your real target is to get the brokers to...
1: Yeah. We designed our offering and our platform for brokers. We designed with brokers for brokers. We did certainly consult and engage. We didn't want to build something in the lab in the back office and come out and say, ta-da, look what we have. And they go, we don't want that. That's not of use to us. So we did a lot of engagement to re-identify really what the pain points for brokers were. What could make a difference to them? What were their key challenges? Um, and if we brought this to them, would it? Would they really embrace it? So it is designed, yes, spe- specifically for, for for brokers, but it's also very much predicated on, obviously we have strong capacity behind us, it's very much predicated on if you give the broker differentiated Experience, then they bring that to the client. We also, even our product offering, you know, is is different in that modular suite set that we approach. But it's also, we took, having come from a lot of um, technical experience in, in the commercial world, we decided to simplify the product too. Um, the management liability suite wording we have is we took it from 70 pages to 15 down down, across five products. The same we're doing with property and casualty suites. So making it simple so the customer gets their product, gets their insurance um, product in a timely fashion. When they read it regardless, they don't have to be an insurance expert. I'm clear what I'm covered for and I'm clear what I'm not covered for. And make it a less kind of cumbersome, legal, heavy weight document.
0: Brilliant. And um, so this Talking on the technology side, then, the so you talk, talk about the fifty different data sources, and then there are a lot of companies out there offering broker technology systems, policy administration systems for insurers. Um, I think you built your own technology stack there, didn't you, rather than go out to a third party.
1: Yes, we did. Um, Very early on, we made the decision. And again, it was predicated on the team that formed Sequence in the the early days, um, coming from kind of inside the industry, but also coming with a lot of technology um, and data skills, too, and mathematical skills. Um, And we did make a decision very early on um, to to actually design and build it ourselves for a couple of reasons. And we do have an excellent development team um, in Toronto. And it was for a few reasons. Going, we don't. We know the challenges. We're best positioned to problem solve, and really build solutions for those, as opposed to abdicating or outsourcing to software houses or consultants. Um, and also, above all, you know, part of being charge of our own destiny. Um, we wanted to build. Um, we wanted to prove that we can execute in big tech complex technology projects that are, deliver on time, deliver under budget, don't over- overrun. It's an agile, um, very flexible, it's a service-orientated platform with, with a lot of um, open architecture um, and we wanted to be able to cont- continuously improve it and have that flexibility. And also part of it too is to protect our own IP. Um, but it takes the speed of execution for us. Um, and also it's designed exactly how we decided we want to build in relation to which what we want to offer from a product to data, a service um, standpoint. Well, that wraps it up for 2019.
0: and um, We've got some great speakers already lined up for 2020. We'll be bringing you the highlights of our next event on the 21st of January, Innovations in Payments. And if you're interested in getting to know some of the best and emerging companies or people in insurance and technology and you don't already know Instec London, there are lots of ways to get involved. You can just follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can check out our weekly newsletter with the partners insights. You can come and join us at one of our monthly events or one of our breakfast events. You can become a member or you can track down Robin, myself, or one of the team, and let us know what you're up to. We're always on the lookout for fresh ideas, interesting people, and success stories. And finally, these podcasts wouldn't be possible without the wonderful Peter Roach of Vigil Monkeys, who does some excellent editing of our podcasts in the last year. All contact details are available in the episode notes.